Namotasa Vagavato Rahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namotasa Vagavato Rahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namotasa Vagavato Rahato Samma Sambuddhasa Buddhang Dhammang Sankang Namasami So I thought I'd just bring up topic of samadhi today. Um, since there it is. Uh, and one of the benefits of, of samadhi, or the aim of it, is to get you out of the notional experience. Um, Including, of course, most important, the, the notional of samadhi it has to be something you get out of because it's a <laughs> it's really quite uh, difficult. <laughs> and sometimes one is trying to have a notion of it, then you never really enter it because it's it's abandoning notions. Mm. That requires quite a lot of trust and faith. And um, mindfulness directed to the body, because the body doesn't have notions. (coughs) (coughs) Bhikkhu's even as one who encompasses with his mind the great ocean, even as one who encompasses with his mind the great ocean, includes thereby all the streams that run into the ocean, just so whoever develops and cultivates mindfulness directed to the body includes all wholesome qualities that pertain to true knowledge. Another one. Mm. It's actually a series of them, and they all have this similar refrain. And it's uh, they have not fully understand understood the deathless, known the deathless, realized the deathless, who have not known, understood, and realized mindfulness directed to the body. They have realized, known, understood the deathless, who have directed mindfulness to the body. So I think one of the the um, things that come up, experiences or, or phenomena that arise when good intention people um, try to practice mindfulness and is that they very much are left in the state of one being someone who tries to practice mindfulness and uh, 
trying to make, get it right and be very mindful and be cultivate mindfulness to a great degree. And all those uh, intention aspirations tend to have a go into the note to go into a particular kind of mind that uh, refines onto details and narrows its focus, sharpens its its attention on a point, and uh, gets very fragile. Uh, can be extremely shaken by sights and sounds because it's trying to hold a particular point, a certain tension about it. Um, um, and often uh, may find it very difficult to really experience the qualities of happiness and ease that are the forerunners of samadhi. So we recognize the samadhi the factors of it that are enunciated as uh, is, uh, attentive thought, attentive mind, bringing something to mind, vitaka. Not a tremendously lengthy philosophical topic, we're just the kind of book. That's that, that's that, rather than that, that's that. Vichara, handling it, how's this, how does it feel? And this we would say is the establishment of mindfulness and, and comprehension, clear knowing. Mindfulness, you bring something to mind. That's called mindfulness. And sustaining it is the development of mindfulness. So bringing something to mind, that is an act of mindfulness. If it's mindful of today's Thursday or it's my aunt's birthday, that's an act of mindfulness. Something's brought to mind and sustaining it. So you stay with that. What does that mean to me? It means I need to do this, I should do that, or or not. You know, some sense in which that's, that's got, it gets into you. How am I with that? We could say. So the notion, the concept, is has an intimate, subjective resonance to it. Mindfulness of death. One brings the concept, the idea of death, the root to your mind, death, and how's I with that? Right, hmm, going to die, absolutely. Could be today, hmm, right. Okay, what does that mean? Well, all this stuff is going to go, this stuff's going to go, it's going to reduce, isn't it? What's really important? Maintain balance, purity, nothing, you're out of control here. No control in this. What you can do, maintain purity, maintain clarity, trust, because you can't control this one. Mindfulness of death. Mindfulness of death is a very good exercise for um, developing mindfulness. So you can do it around even a, a notion like that. Because mindfulness is an intimate kind of holding where it affects our subjectivity. We resonate with that. We get it. And in the getting of it, there's a bonding. There's a sense of sympathy with what we've got, what we've attended to, what we've brought to mind. We, it gets into us. Uh-huh. And you align yourself in accordance with that. There's a taking that on. There's a dropping of other things. There's a dropping of one's notional self. Certainly mindfulness of death, your notional self, 
not worth hanging on to, is it? You, know, you speculate about future lives or what you should have done, but all that's a secondary. Your notional self is not going to do much, but so your notional self just gives up. That's the idea of it. And here we are. Life, death, birth, breath, moment. This, just this, just this. Feeling it, sensing it. Sensing the fear, the agitation, sensing the uncertainty. Okay, there's that resonance. How do you relate to that? You calm it, you steady it. You say you have to give up now. The future, the past, the possibilities, the defending, the protecting, the images, of what should be and could be and whether I'm good enough. You have to give all that up because this is just happening. Be with this, trust it. You have to be with this. There's nothing left except trusting it, calming it, steadying yourself in that. That's your only possibility. Rest of it, not going to work. Just going to send you into agitation, contractions, fears, worries, grudges, so forth. No good. No time for that. This is not the time for that. So this is an exercise of mindfulness. What's he doing? He's stripping away the notions and the notional self, the one who gets it right or gets it wrong. Everybody, nobody fails in dying. Everybody does it. Uh, some people struggle with it a lot, but everybody gets it right in the end. <laughs> it's birth that's the thing people get wrong. <laughs> So we should kind of, you know, what's this, what's this mean about mindfulness? What's this mean about mindfulness? Is it? It's different, isn't it? It's certainly bearing something in mind and holding it and staying with it. Yeah, definitely. But as a letting go of the notion, you know, you're really touching something and letting it enter you. Therefore, your, your attention is naturally held by the, the meaningfulness of the experience. You don't have to keep trying to focus on it. It's the meaningfulness of it naturally. Right, I'm with this. <coughs> now, with similarly, mindfulness of body as a means for samadhi, as a means for purification. And I think that uh, it's quite often the case we have a notion of mindfulness that we then apply to our body to our awareness of body, we have a notion of it, we apply and systematize that. And yeah, there may be benefits, but you know, we can very much end up like with a, a notional mindfulness that's always been directed by a notional person. I remember a little anecdote Ajahn Sumedho saying when he was trained as a young monk and he was living out in the forests of northeast Thailand where a lot of the paths just trail through the jungles, through the forests. And there's, you know, you've got to be mindful actually <laughs> because there's spider webs and trees get in the way and the paths are swept but still you've got tree roots sticking up through the path, you know. And you just got to be, maybe a snake will come up but see mindful. So, so this is, you know, just be mindful. So, right, you've really got to be mindful. 
really walk mindfully. And he walked mindfully, bang, hits his toe on a tree root. Dang it. Right, going to try harder to be more mindful next time. Bang, hits another tree root with his toe. <laughs> Walks along, getting really angry with himself for not being mindful. Right, really trying to be mindful. Bang, hits his toe again on another tree root. <laughs> Eventually, gives up being mindful and just learns to walk along a path without banging his foot <laughs> on the tree root. That, that's what we call being mindful of it. <laughs> it's contextual. Yeah, so when you're m- mindful walking on a, on a forest path in the in the dusk or the gloom, you have to be aware of pretty wide, not boundless, but certainly a sort of an all-round sense of, well, here we are, what's happening here, it's a feet, you know, and really get into your body, how your body's going to operate this, you know, and trust, hand it over to the body with some care to feel out where you're going and Senses are open, they're not distracting you. How is this? Okay, then you, you, you sense where you're going. You know, all, all, everything participates, it's not just got the, the head telling you about being mindful, everything participates in that particular um, activity. So for the mindfulness is directed to the entire entirety of embodiment, we might say. And in all this, we have the qualities of, of, uh, of wisdom. And again, wisdom in Buddhism, in the Buddhist teaching, much less cerebral than we would have it. The ability to discern, to differentiate, rough from smooth, skillful from unskillful, stress from lack of stress. It's a discernment, and it's a very helpful translation. Tenisero discernment. And for bodies discern things in particular ways. Mm. They discern uh, rough, smooth, pleasant, unpleasant. Mm. They discern pressure, absence of pressure. They discern warm, cool, uh, tense, relaxed. They discern things that way, not cerebral. You can have an intellectual apprehension of that is actually much more kind of gut level intuitive knowledge because that's how bodies know things that's how bodies know things they know what's not present they don't think they don't have a tomorrow or yesterday. They don't have a should or an ought. They have fear. Mm-hmm. They have uncertainty, waveriness. The bodies are pretty good at coming out of that. You know, they sense naturally fear. What's going on around here? And Okay, safe right now, safe. Hmm. Yeah. There's a sense of attentiveness, but they, they know right now it's not for the sense to be aware, attuned, but not contracted. They realize if you contract with fear, you're 
going to be very vulnerable because you'll lose your intelligence, you'll lose your sensitivity. It's trust. This, I think, is one place where uh, conditioning, uh, social conditioning, doesn't serve us well. Mostly we avoid fear, which I mean fear of blame, fear of scorn, fear of punishment, fear of looking like an idiot, fear of getting it wrong, through a particular tension. Make sure you get it right. Particular tension occurs. The The intellect conceives of others, conceives of getting it right, conceives of getting it wrong is attuned to that and the rejection from other people that could occur because of that. So it tenses. And because it can still always retain the notion that there could be a better, that the punishment might happen, that other people might like or dislike, it can never really discharge it because it's always a possibility in terms of the thinking mind. (laughs) There's always a possibility that you could be doing it wrong. There's always a possibility that somebody might not like you and be muttering about you behind your back. That's a definitely a, so you that kind of, and we're very much attuned to that. You know, security notices everywhere, watch out for suspicious people with shaved heads and wearing robes. <laughs> what, you know, it's always there, isn't it? could be so that and then okay this is important be mindful you might get it wrong and you know oh no it might be the right way you didn't quite get the instruction quite correctly is it this or is it that you know that sort of doubt and the thinking mind can never get beyond doubt because it works in virtual realities that are not directly knowable. It works in notions that are not directly, you can't really ever get them in your gut. Body only works in directly knowable experiences. So one thing to consider is rather, you know, one is mindful of body, let the mind, let the body teach you to be about mindfulness. Let walking teach you about mindfulness. Let eating teach you about mindfulness. Let yeah, let sitting teach you about mindfulness. Let the body teach you about mindfulness. This is where the direct wisdom that knows this is stress. Huh. And there's the release from it. That's what we want to know. Mind thinking mind can't know that. Because it can always conceive of a stress, of a should, or a could, or a might, or what I am, whether I match up to the standard. And it's all, it can always be doing it, so locked into that, socially conditioned into that, it cannot realise the end of stress. And realisation is what we're about. Non-notional. And dropping into that process... That, that level 
say. Taka, get it, handle it, how is it? And then, very simple, trying to make instructions sort of fairly non-technical. Put aside what you don't need. Mm. What, you th- what you feel you need, stay with that for a while and see if there's anything else in that you can put aside. The more you can destruct, deconstruct, better it's going to be. So you might need a lot, yeah, okay, right, I don't need that now. I've dealt with tomorrow, yesterday, right. Dealt with me and them, right. Mm. Yeah, so you just trim it, trim it, trim it. And you keep coming down to simpler and simpler. Simplify is one instruction. The other instruction is get more comfortable. Get more comfortable. Mm. So put aside the topics that are going to make you uncomfortable. Anchoring, desire, and, or what is it? Covetous, covetous, covetousness and dejection <laughs> with regard to the world. Yeah. So whatever we can trim from that. Get comfortable. Attune to qualities that give you a sense of comfort, contentment, self-respect. Bearing in mind, being mindful of one's uh, skillful actions, one's skillful companions, one's warm relationships, one's love. Mm. Just bear it in mind, drink it in. Drink in the beauty of freedom from abuse, abusing others. Of course these are using words, and the real thing is slower. So you might bear in mind, bring to mind many times. I mean no harm. There's a notion, it's pretty simple. Going to the heart of that. I seek, I'm open to possibilities of bringing benefit to others, small ways, tiny ways. Mm. I'm open to that quality, meta quality. Mm. So, you know, get more comfortable through a a range of means that that bring uh, a happy state or a, a an easeful state. And all of these will tend to reduce the notional hardware that we carry ourselves. Heart, very much just the quality arising directly, almost um, Spontaneously, when one does trigger, remember one's true intention in a very simple way. May others be well. May I be well. (coughs) 
So all these, you know, this is, this is, if you like, the details of mindfulness, is, is this background quality. Mm. You know, the, the context, the mind is contextual. It's not really located in space and time, it's located in terms of karma and inclinations and intentions. Right? So it's, citta is located in terms of whether the citta is being affected by warmth or fear, self-disparagement, self-respect. That's where it's moving, it's not moving anywhere else. So that notional world, space-time, is a notional world. Can you put it aside? Go for the real thing where you're going to feel comfortable. You're never going to feel comfortable in the world of space and time. Doesn't happen. There's always a next and a future and a possible. And that's going to keep you leaning forward, agitated. Go into, right now, intention of goodwill, comfort, enjoyment, whatever will support that. And why is this, what's this got to do with mindfulness of body? Why should it be that way? Because just uh, where do you think the mind is? Where would, could that be if we, if we recognize vision is associated with the eyeball? Mm. Touch is associated with the skin. Hearing is associated with the organ of the ear. What do you think uh, chitta is associated with? Mm. Not floating around in thin air, is it? <laughs> it's based on body. It's in this, we could say the inner body or the intelligence of body, the nervous system, you could say, perhaps even more subtle than that. The, appreh- the body's apprehension of reality, the body's place of getting it. Jitta. <laughs> And this we begin to give up our notion of body as a visual object. Okay, this is you know so ingrained and so much is made of the visual, it's not so easy. We keep referring back to that visual reference and retreat time, putting aside, you know sexuality, decorations, adornments, stuff like that. It's it's there for a reason. It's not just so you have no fun. (laughs) It's just to sort of, let's put all that, put the clothing away, come down to the real, you know, primary quality of the body that was born, the body that came into being before it had the rest of it, before it was male or female or anything that sense of embodiment and that's the one that has the sensitivity and feels the stress and appreciates the goodwill feels satisfied feels comforted by that 
and as it does so it responds it's like a like a sort of simple like a dog or a cat you know if you stroke them they get happy <laughs> and they trust you similarly this is one way should attend to embodiment rather like this mm. and mm. Certain qualities arise because of that, called piti, a certain uplifted, buoyant state, qualities, and sukha, quality of ease. One's associated more with joyfulness, one's associated more with the comfort, you know, if you like to calibrate it, but they're both pleasant. So, and these are said to be generated or born or caused or conditioned through viveka, the ability to disengage from unskillful states, from notions, just that unhooking from the run-on of time and space and social pressures and identity, just an unskillful states, ill will. Just unhook from those programs, come back into simple, and what are you going to do? How are you going to help? Well, why don't you focus on breathing? Just just bear that in mind, because that doesn't generate those things. That's the theme. Get you causes and conditions so that the one is opening to direct experience, giving up the notion of meditation, giving up the notion of samadhi, just come into now, you could be dead in a minute, now, there's this thing, here we are, trust it, keep giving that signal, resonating that signal, the body will begin to pick it up, breathe it in, breathe it out, we can breathe all the way out, we can release ourselves into that which is around us. We can be empty, we can be infused with that which is around us. And it fills the body up. This is mindfulness of breathing. The pull of it, the movement of it, the fading of it, the suffusion of it, the gathering of it, the involuntary quality of it. Bodies do this. Notions on this one can have results. We have an idea of the breath, the breath, which isn't even the notion that's presented. Breathing is the sense, so it's a dynamic process, something that is dynamic. and uh, comes with the body, involuntary, and you listen to it, tune to it. How does it get more comfortable? How do you, you know, can it get more comfortable? And even where is it most comfortable? In what way is it most comfortable? So one becomes skilled in pleasure. 
skilled in this kind of pleasure. This is the skill of samadhi, we're skilled in pleasure. Yes, so the body teaching us, here's a time to be a little firmer, here's a time to be a step back, here's a time to pause, here's the time to not know and just allow, here's a time to remind body back to that. So it's teaching us and teaching us to eliminate or release unskillful states. This process is called jayana, jayati, to absorb. One is absorbing in. Um, many, in fact, I think probably the majority of the of the times in this experience, jhana experience, is mentioned. It, um, it's just those factors are viveka, um, pitaka vichara, piti sukha. Mm. So sometimes, and in some occasions, another one is added, ekagata, one-pointedness, which of course um, isn't there all the time anyway. Mm. But again, one can make a lot out of that. Eka, one, aga, chief. Something is to the fore, something is paramount. Mm. And exactly how you uh, understand that. Now, as I just touched into the other day, when there's an expression parimukha, which literally means something like um, the complete four. Pari, complete, thorough, or something like that, four. Mukha. Mukha can be a mouth, an opening, an entrance. Mm. And so, you know, puts that, once he puts his mindfulness in his mouth. Mm. Uh, or puts his mindfulness on his nose, somewhere, some little hole in the front of his head. Or even puts his mindfulness in front of him, which is what the translators, who probably didn't have a lot of experience when he translated it, but actually, you know, if you say, do you get my point? Do I have to stick a needle in you before you get the point? <laughs> or do you just go, I get the point. When you say something, bringing something completely to the fore, it means bringing it, making it the most dominant um, quality in your mind, the forefront of your mind, right? making that the thing you're open to, just that quality. Whatever else, I will be mindful. Parimukha, thoroughly to the fore, open to that. One-pointedness. You're really focusing, you're really attending to one thing, one theme, which is how does this mind live in harmony? How does it come together? How does it fit harmoniously, settle comfortably, stably in this, this embodiment state? So it's a sort of, it's a softer and a more kind of uh, suggestive reference than a literal, precise, technical point. I think it's good to, to bear that in mind. Yeah. Like the Buddha used the word jhana as a very number of ways. As I put on the board to see you to look at, it says, you know, 
one who cultivates mindful, uh, loving kindness for the length of a finger snap can be called someone who is not void of jhana. Well, that's a finger snap's not very really long, is it? Unless they really clicked their fingers incredibly slowly in those days, you know. So you think, well, I'll you know, spend four hours or so before I get a flicker of jhana. Well, that's a pretty slow finger snap. <laughs> So what do you think he means? You know, this kind of does tease the language. And I don't know what he means, really, but I would s- recognize what he doesn't mean <laughs> by that. Yeah. It doesn't mean a kind of a necess- necessary fixation in terms of even of time, but a quality, a qualitative rather than a quantitative reference. Right? A quality of just really just softening into that non-notional, direct, intimate state. That's where you can absorb. You can't absorb in notions. They always put things in boxes. If we are looking at absorption as like a sponge, you know, you have a dry sponge and you put one little dewdrop on it, it's going to absorb it because that's the nature of sponges. So the absorbing quality, the ability to take something in and ah, saturate, let that come into you. That just bear that in mind. You know, where's the boundary? Where's the sense in which we are looking at something rather than just letting ourselves go into something, letting ourselves be, letting our our experience be just one of absorbing into it. Hmm? where it's direct, non-conceptual. No. Well, yeah, all I can do is just offer suggestions. But uh, certainly in my own practice, I think after about 20 years of uh, meditation, starting with some pretty fine details. And I could recognize that I wasn't, couldn't say I was experiencing, I was experiencing concentration. I wasn't experiencing ease and joy. Mm. And then at a certain point it became very, very important not to forget that. You're supposed, this is supposed to be an enjoyable life. <laughs> because it's, if it's enjoyable, then you don't get strung out on sense pleasures and you don't get strung out on agitation and fear and jealousy and craving because you're enjoying it. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it's supposed to be enjoyable. And what does enjoy mean? Open to, take it in, Trust it, be with it. Hmm? What can one trust? Well, boundary of precepts, that's good. Boundary of goodwill, that's good. Can you trust your body? Hurts. Hurts at times, doesn't it? Twinges and cramps, cramps and diseases and 
bits you've broken and things like that. Yeah. Is there anywhere in there? Anywhere in there that as you approach it with a, just an open quality of goodwill where you get a something resonates. Oh. How lovely just to be, just to touch that place where you feel comfortable. Now the knack or the, the real point of absorption is you can make a fairly small point into a big point just by dwelling on it. Nobody's bodies are great, let's face it, on any level. <laughs> Visually, anatomically, whatever, there's always something going wrong with them. And in terms of pleasure and pain, they're, they're, they're not pleasant. But there is a happiest place in them where there's a sense of comfort and ease. Can you find that? Can you sense that? And make it yours. It doesn't have to be prescribed. Uh, yeah. And you feel settled there. Safe. It's quite innocent, really. And just drink it in. What it's like to feel that, that lightness of being. Is it possible in there you might feel some rhythmic process of Oh, that's what it is. That's that trailing rhythm that's keeping me alive. Let me have mindfulness of breathing. Absorb it. Mm. So this is then with a certain cultivation of that is what we call samadhi. These things, the mind is living in harmony. It's no longer pulling out into craving. It's no longer tightening up with fear, ill will. It's no longer trying to conceive things and getting caught up in doubt. It's no longer anticipating and fretting and worrying about how long it's going to go on for, whether they've got it. It's not restless. It's got something bright and happy. It's not sleepy and dull. Oh, yeah, you know. That's what we are encouraging as a resource. Because in this, you help to, though samadhi is not by any means the, the end product or the end result, it's right there, eighth, the eighth factor of the path. Because why not? Why not make life enjoyable? And with this, you reset. There's a, the, not, you don't just reset intellectually. Something in your energetic resets. You, re, you get your body resets itself to bits that you weren't aware of start to become available. Bits that were hyper stressed start to relax. Bits that are just basically forgotten they existed <laughs> start to wake up. And you get a harmonious sense. You begin to sense the fullness of embodiment. And it really has no boundary. It doesn't end with this visual thing which is cut out in space. It suffuses. It's not got... It can change. It can be quite wide and expansive. It can tremble. It can have a lot of bright vigor in it. It can calm and cool. We see all this 
experience. This is the true body. It's changeable, yep. So it's anicca. It's dukkha in the sense it's incomplete. Yeah, it's it's good enough. It's anatta. It's not mine, myself, under my control. Something I can make happen. I have. There has to be a relationship here. Negotiating, negotiating skillfully, listening to it. How does it feel? Like, you know. So mindfulness, in a way, is supreme relational quality. And uh, here we're learning relationship right back at ground zero. How to be in a body, how to experience body, the thing that we came into this life with that we perhaps never really, really took that much time with because we're always busy making it do things and then leaving it behind when it couldn't do so we just go into our thoughts instead so to reduce the body to just a, a finger that pushes a button so we're turning back a habit that may have been deeply ingrained for years we live in societies and situations which are frankly abusive to bodies we feel a target to other people We've been targeted. Naturally, there's a, a lot of friction, tension around in, around presence. Mm. Being seen, being around is already not necessarily void of, of fear, anxiety. So it, it takes time for the body to come out of that. This is a good time. Reach your boundaries, sense where you are in that, and if you can soften just a tad around your how you sense your presence in a context. And really offer that to others. You know? Offer it. It's one of your primary offer the offering of freedom from fear. You know, somebody drops a bucket or something, don't freak out, it's, it's okay. <laughs> They're probably going up, getting upset, so just, it's okay, fine, just let the vibration change, and it's okay. Everybody drops buckets, everybody makes a noise, so bodies like this, you know. And generate a quality of freedom from fear, scorn, intimidation. That's a great gift. Realizing how many people are are scarred with that. It takes time for the tissues to heal. So in this way, the mind will unify. It will stabilize, it will come into harmony. And this is the basis for freeing up citta from its the responses and reactions that have become established through not 
having trust and immersing oneself in embodiment. So there's a wisdom in, in being, in understanding that. The wisdom required to actually dismantle what needs to be dismantled, to amplify what needs to be amplified, discern. There's a wisdom to understand this is the real thing. There's a wisdom in sensing which is the most comfortable aspect in that. There's a wisdom in knowing how to sustain and open and receive that, the wisdom of receptivity. There's a wisdom in understanding this experience is just fluctuating flows and changes, not a final thing, not an entity, not myself. The wisdom that gives rise to dispassion. And that's directly known, not philosophized around. This is why mindfulness of body developed in this way is of great fruit, great benefit for the arising of the enlightenment factors, for the dwelling in them, and for the enjoyment of them. Anyone?